0: Hi, this is Pastor Joshua Morocco, and you are listening to our King's Central Podcast. I hope you get encouraged. I hope the Word of God brings transformation to your life and empowers you. Thank you so much for joining us. Enjoy the Word. Everybody say this, I want to be extravagant. Because my God's extravagant. And if you watch that video, that was so profound to me is that, you know, one act of kindness can change something in someone's life. And you know, what happened for us, I remember one day I was at, I was at Safeway. I was at Safeway there on Oahu, there in Hawaii Kai. And I'm in line and the Holy Spirit tells me to pay for the person's groceries in front of me. Now, let me tell you something about Hawaii Kai. People in Hawaii Kai don't need you to pay for their groceries. I'm just saying, for the most part. And it, this lady did not look like she needed me to pay for her groceries. But the Holy Spirit told me to pay for her groceries. And so I said, hey, can I pay for this? And I, I just, I paid for it. And the lady's looking at me going, no, 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 I, I can pay for it. I, I, I don't need your help. And you know, and she's actually a little mad and perturbed at me. But I paid for her, her groceries. And um, so then the cash register goes and gets gets my groceries, and she's doing my groceries, and she's like, wow, you're such a nice guy. I was like, well, thank you very much. <laughs> thank you. No, I didn't do that, but um, I just praise God, and and the lady kept waiting for me at, like, the end of the table in Safeway. I'm just like, you can leave. Like, you don't have to stick around. I know I paid for your groceries. It wasn't that much. It was like 30 bucks, you know what I mean, and just you can leave, and she's just standing there waiting for me, holding her bag, and I'm like, okay, so I'm done. I pay for my groceries, and I see the lady And she's looking at me and she was just so blown away that I paid 30 bucks. I bought her groceries. Thank you so much. And you know, what was amazing is in that moment, my generosity made way for me to lead her in a salvation prayer. Can I, can I tell you what right now? I know a lot of us, man, we, we've, we've tried different things. We've, uh, We've stood at the corner of places and got on our soapbox and preached. And, and friends, listen, I'm not here to demean anyway, but can I tell you, there's nothing like generosity that opens the door for the word of God. When you're generous, it, it, it opens up incredible opportunities. And so I wanna ask if you'll join us our churches statewide, not just Oahu, but statewide, every one of our islands are joining together for this extravagant campaign. And we've made, I'm gonna ask the ushers right now if you can help me. Ushers, I want everybody to get one of these cards. And this week, we're gonna ask you just to pray and say, Lord, how can I be a part? Of blessing someone maybe you know maybe you want to buy somebody something small or you want to go help somebody carry their groceries or you know you know something something that sometimes it gets overlooked is returning somebody's grocery cart at Costco you know what I mean just just something and all you have to do is in that moment now listen if you're gonna leave this with a tip at the restaurant please make sure it's a good tip don't let, don't use this as your tip. Can I tell you that right now? Please don't embarrass your pastor. All right, man. You leave a big tip. Put this in there and invite your waitress or your waiter to service. And Wednesday night for the month of February, we're starting this incredible series, Extravagant, and it is going to be amazing. We're going to learn about the extravagance of God. How many of you guys know we have an extravagant God? But we're going to learn how to be extravagant as people. And that's not, friends, listen, that's not with money, not just money. That's with the love of God, the grace and the mercy of God. So are you guys ready for that series? How many of you guys will use that card to invite somebody to experience the extravagance of God? Come on, anybody? Awesome. All right, well, hey, turn with me as we conclude our series through it all. We're going to have to conclude this series. Actually, I think next week is my conclusion. We're going to do third week. Is this the third week, fourth week? What is this? I don't even know. Everything's so screwed up because of the conference. I don't even know what day it is. Is this the last Saturday? Is this the last Wednesday of the, I knew it. So we're concluding our series. So let me just invite you to do something. If some of you want to hear the rest of the series, you can go on our face on Casey Oahu's Facebook page. And you can listen to the remaining sermons on our series. And just go ahead and follow us on there. And then you can watch and be a part and see the rest of the series. Psalms 23, verse 5. Are you ready? Are you guys ready? Psalms 23, 5. Here we go. You prepared a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup over Flows. Hey, can we all say that portion together one more time? My what? My cup overflows. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you anoint this word, anoint our ears to hear, our hearts to receive, that we may be changed by the power of your word. And we thank you, Father, for it now in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, Amen. Now, can we just I need to kind of break the ice on this because a lot of times we hear these Christianese words like the word anointed. Right, And we'll hear this word anointed and we don't necessarily know what it means. Or we, we, someone, we hear someone say, oh man, that, that dude's anointed, right? And so it's kind of like this Christianese word that we've heard. But sometimes many of us don't even know what the anointing is or what that word anointed even means. And so simply put, I want us to get a reference point so that we can understand. The word anointing or anointed, simply put, means calling. It is a distinction, And it is the work of the Holy Spirit. So in the Old Testament, we saw when someone was called to become a king or called to become a a prophet or a priest, they would be anointed for the task. That means that God called them. It was more vocational than anything else. But then you also see the anointing as being the working of the Holy Spirit. That somebody was anointed. You see Samson, who was called to be a judge, he was anointed to be a judge, but then all of a sudden the Holy Spirit would come upon him and he had supernatural strength. What is that? That is the anointing, the person of the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit working through Samson, giving him supernatural strength. So when we understand what the anointing is, the anointing, simply put, is the call... And the empowerment of the Holy Spirit working in our lives, working in the church. The reason why that's so important is because the title of my message tonight, if you're taking notes, the title of my message tonight is anointed. Look at that person next to you and I want you to say this over their life like you mean it with everything you got. Now listen, don't don't look at them and be like, you anointed some of the time. I want you to look at him. I want you to clear over the life. You are anointed. Can you do that right now? Come on, look at him. If it's your husband, your wife, come on, you are anointed. You're anointed. As we look at this passage, what's so profound about this passage is we've been really taking an exegetical look at Psalms 23. It's been, you know, step by step. And it's been absolutely wonderful. But something that's so profound is is David makes a statement. He says, you have prepared a place for me in the presence of my enemies. Now, I want you to think about this. That passage is not referring to, because I've heard some people say and, and give a picture of God making a, a seat for you on a table, and that table is surrounded by your enemies. That's not what it's saying at all. It's not, the Bible doesn't say, or David doesn't say, that God, you put me in the presence of my enemies and put all my enemies around me and sit them down at the same table I'm at. He doesn't say that at all. He says, you prepared a table for me in the presence of my enemies. That means if there's, it, it, just imagine for a moment, all hell's breaking loose, that you got every enemy that's ever been against you ever since you were kindergarten, every bully that's ever picked on you, everyone that's ever told a lie about you, everyone that's ever backstabbed you, every problem and situation you've ever faced is surrounding you. And God says, in the midst of your problem, in the midst of your issue, in the midst of your persecution... Come on, in the midst of someone causing curling accusations in your life, in the midst of your enemies, I am preparing a place of favor. I'm preparing a place of rest. I am preparing a place of authority. See, the significance, this is amazing because the significance that we see and the symbolism of the table, oh, this is amazing. The table was a place of authority. The table was a place of refuge. The table was a place of favor. See, when David had a revelation of the table which God sits David at in the presence of his enemies, it's an understanding that God places me in a position of authority, and a position of favor. Can I tell you, God is sitting you down in a place of authority and a place of favor, a place of rest and a place of peace. Can I, can I tell you what's so significant about the table? Well, I love this. Not only does it represent a place of authority and a place of favor, But it is the distinguishing factor of elevation. That in a crowd, if someone, in those days, in the Old Testament, in a crowd, if someone was to be seated at a table, that means they were being elevated. Now hold on a second. Because sometimes it feels like the world is just going to pot. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like, it's crazy. You're looking all around you. Well, man, my, these people are nuts. Lord, how come the, the, these people that are against God, they keep getting richer and the people that are for God keep getting poorer? And we're looking at the situations. We're looking at our businesses going, how in the world am I going to prosper in this season, this time? Can I tell you, when you're faithful to the Lord, he elevates you. And can I tell you, it is not based or determined on what's happening around you. Now, hold on, hold on. Can I tell you something? In the midst of coronavirus, God can elevate you, God can elevate your business, God can elevate your marriage. In the midst of coronavirus, it doesn't matter the enemies that are surrounding you. God's desire is to elevate you. So, He's preparing a place of authority. He's preparing a place of favor. He is elevating you intentionally. We've got to know what it is to walk in that confidence. We have to know what it is to know that the peace of God that passes all understanding, that there's a confidence in me. See, when, when you're sitting at that table, something happens when you understand that God prepares a place for you, that God's favor, God's hand is upon you, that God is elevating you, even in the midst of trials and persecution, friends, it gives us a confidence. Because if you, you, you know that if, if God be for you, who can be against you? It doesn't make you cocky. It doesn't make you prideful or arrogant. It makes you confident. Not because of who you are, but because who you are convinced your God is. See so when you have the proper perspective of your God. Mm. I've I've I had some I had some very interesting situations happen this last these last couple of weeks because everybody has an opinion about everything that's going on in politics. And I've realized something that in the last four years, eight years, 40 years of my life, no matter who's sitting in that position, people are going to have an opinion. But one thing I'm confident in is this situation. No matter who is our president or who isn't, no matter who's our governor or who isn't, my God is on the throne. Can you imagine if, if the believers... Can you imagine if the church got so confident in the position and the strength and the power of their God? Instead of looking to others for supply or to others to be their source, they recognize that God is their source. They'd stop chasing. They'd, start ch- they'd stop chasing things and start chasing after God, saying, I know God is my source because I'm confident in who He is. And then when everybody, when anxiety comes, when fear comes, you can speak to your anxiety, you can speak to your fear because the Bible says, Cast all your cares on him. Why he cares for you? Where does my confidence come from? It doesn't come in the fact that I look good in green. Or is this blue? I don't know. I'm colorblind. Oh, I'm man, I'll tell you what, man, I'm so good. Look, I can do I'm I'm so talented. I'm so amazing, you're cocky and you're going to be humbled. See, that's the difference between arrogance and confidence. Arrogance is putting value upon you and your gifting and your worth and your ability and focusing on that confidence is going it doesn't matter what i can or cannot do god is god and he's going to see me through i'm putting my hope i'm putting my trust i'm putting everything that i am in him it is not about what i have to offer it's about what he has to offer it's not about who i am it's all about who he is so we got to get back on track that's why the bible says humble yourself in the sight of the lord and he will what Oh, let's try that again. Some of you, some of you have been flipping through your pages right now going, where is that in the Bible? Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Where does that humility come from? That humility comes from your focus on him. Our confidence comes in our king. Our God, that's where your confidence is going to come from in this season. I know I'm looking at this. Can I just tell you, I'm looking at this congregation and I see some of the most talented people in their field that is out there. Some of you are the greatest builders. Some of you are the greatest chefs. Some of you are the great, whatever you do, you're, you're going to work at it with all your heart. And friends, that's what you should do but don't put your confidence in your job and in your gift. Put your confidence in your God. Because things can shift in a second. What happens, what happens? You wake up one morning and your craft doesn't exist anymore. Your job's not there anymore. The tools that you used to use don't exist anymore. Does that mean now your confidence is gone? Friends, how often do we cast away our confidence? Because the devil comes in to steal, kill, and destroy, and he tries to steal from us and take from us. Because if there's anything that the devil wants to rob from you, it's your confidence. Because he knows, man, if I get believers confident in the, the ability of their God, there's nothing they can accomplish. There's nothing they won't do. I mean, like, it, it's It's scary. The devil knows, man, you get some confident believers. Crazy Davids will face Goliath because they're confident in their God. Crazy Joshuas will march around Jericho because they're confident in their God. Crazy Moseses and Joshuas will possess a land that they have no right to that is filled with giants because why? They're confident in their God. Confidence in your God will pave the way for miracles. Confidence in your God will pave the way for breakthrough. But you know, a lot of times, can I tell you one of the biggest problems with this this moment and what we see? David says, God, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. But a lot of times, one of the biggest issues and probably the misconception that we deal with with God, and I, I don't know, I don't know if you have this problem. I'm, I'm just going to be transparent with you for a minute if I, if I can be transparent. Can I, can I be transparent? Can I tell you one of my greatest battles? I don't want God to prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. I want God to deal with my enemies. Like God, I don't need a table right now. God, I don't need lunch. I ain't hungry. I don't, I don't need lunch. Just kill him. <laughs> Anybody with me? I'm like, God, why are you preparing a table? Just beat up my enemies. Come on. I don't want. But see, this is the thing. We have to recognize that, that God has a desire. God's intention is to deal with us before he deals with our enemies. I don't like that. I don't want God dealing with me. I am so good with God dealing with my enemies. Like, God, that is what I want. That is what I desire. But the moment you start messing with me, God, the moment you start pinpointing things in my life, now you be stepping back up, God, deal with my enemies. Do you know why God prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies? Because God wants to deal with our enemies. But yet God wants to deal with the greatest enemy in our life, which sometimes is ourselves. Can you have peace in the midst of trial? I believe there are moments where God will set up tables in the presence of your enemy just so he can reveal certain things that are happening on the inside. Isn't it crazy that one of the tests, one of the tests that God gave Gideon for his soldiers was a test on how they drank water? Why? Because God uses moments of being surrounded by our enemies to test our own intentions. And reveal the intentions of the heart. Because God wants you whole. God wants you mature. And God will allow... Now now watch, 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 watch. Please hear me. God is going to deal with your enemies. God's going to deal with the enemies of your soul. God's going to deal with the enemies of your body. Come on, somebody. Anybody confident in that? God's going to deal with the enemy. But God... In the midst, when our enemies are coming against us, God's greatest desire is to deal with you first before he deals with the enemy. Why? Because a lot of times, God empowers us to deal with the enemies. And we're looking around going, come on, God, smite them, almighty smiter. (laughs) And God's like, what if I want to empower you to be victorious? What if I want to empower you to overcome? What if I want to empower you to break through? And a lot of us want God to do all the work where God wants to raise us up. It's very difficult when we find ourselves in the presence of frustration, the presence of turmoil. God's desire is maturity. Can I ask you a question? What's going on on the inside of you when you're surrounded? Can I, can I ask you that again? Can I, can I just ask you to take a moment to search your heart? What, what's happening on the inside of you when you're surrounded? What happens on the inside of you when, when someone st- stabs you in the back and is gossiping about you? Is your first response, oh, just kill him, God? I think our first response should be, God, why is this affecting me so much? Why am I so offended right now? Why am I so angry right now? Why, if I'm confident and I know that you're victorious and that you're gonna make me victorious, why am I so threatened by that right now? Why do I have fear right now? And I believe that there are moments where God uses what surrounds us to reveal what's in us so that he can do a work. Can I get an amen? David says he prepares a place for me, a table to eat at in the presence of my enemies. But then he goes on to say something so profound. He says, "He anoints my head with oil." You anoint my head with oil. Now can we do, just deal with this real quick? First of all, I know enough English. I don't know a lot of English. But I know enough English to do two things. To spell my name and to realize that this is present tense, not past tense. He did not say he anointed my head with oil. He wasn't referring to that moment where Samuel stood before him and anointed his head with oil. He's referring to a present day moment. The moment that he has every day when he wakes up. He's reliant upon an anointing that rests upon his life. He says he anoints he anoints my head with oil friends it's perpetual it's constant it's constant it's an everyday occurrence and too often we rely we depend we go back to our past moments we reminisce on oh do you remember in 1995 when i was rolling on the ground here that's awesome but what what is god doing in your life now How's he working now? And we rely upon past workings, but we're not in the present. We're not seeing the the working now and allowing the Holy Spirit to work in the now. David understood the necessity to have the Holy Ghost work in the, the now. But the thing I love about this was he says he anoints my head with oil. Is David didn't just see it as a marker. I'm anointed, man. I got, I got anointed when I was 10 years old. I'm anointed. Hold on a second. Was it wasn't just a marking in his life. He understands the anointing exists for everyday change. Everyday change. It doesn't just mark you. It changes you. Can I, can I say that again? It doesn't just, the anointing doesn't just mark you. Oh, David, you're going to be king. The anointing came upon David and it began to change him. Now, can I tell you what I love about this word anoint? In the Hebrew, the word anoint is actually the word deshan. Now, let me tell you why I like that word so much. Because it means to make fat. Hallelujah praise him. Come on, G. Come on, all you people that have been fasting for the last 21 days, that is your moment to rejoice. And you just you just praise the Lord and be, like, "Oh God, I'm just anointed." That's why people always say the larger you are, the more anointed you are. Oh, you've never you never heard that? It's the size makes more room for the Holy Spirit. No. Okay, okay I guess that's not right. <laughs> To make fat. Man, I love that. Can I tell you why that's so profound to me? It's because when you see that word, the in, in the Hebrew, it means to make fat become prosperous and anoint. The word picture, this is amazing. The word picture is to have somebody eating at a buffet that never runs dry, that has more than you need and has all these different, it's just like everything you need, it's that you have access to a buffet. You know what God's, can, can I tell you, tonight some of us need to shift our perspective of what God offers and what God is laying before us. God is laying before us a buffet. It's called the anointing. I said it's called the anointing. And the anointing is every part. Friends, it is healing. It is salvation. It is breakthrough. It is the, it is the power, the unadulterated power of God. It is unlimited. And it is accessible to you. But too often, you ever gone to an uh, uh, uh a buffet and you're like I, I like that i don't like that and we become selective and picky or the problem is we filled ourselves up before we got to the buffet and now we're not hungry and so we don't partake of everything that god has for us but when he says he anoints our head with oil that means he pours out the work of the spirit upon us that you have access to that is rich that never runs dry. Friends, you gotta get a you gotta get a clear picture of the anointing. This anointing that makes you fat. This anointing that is available and accessible to you. That you can take hold of it. That you can walk in. You can access everything that God has for you. That's why God could take someone like a Peter who was afraid, who was weak, who was run, running and hiding. And make him so powerful and confident that he gets up before 3,000 people. Can we just, there's about 340 people in here tonight. Maybe 300 people in here tonight. Do you times the amount of people that are in here times 10? That's a lot of people. And a man who just a few weeks before was in hiding, who had rejected Jesus, stands up before 3,000 people and begins to preach with all boldness. How does that happen? The anointing. Don't limit the anointing. Don't limit the anointing. Realize that you have access. God has given you access to himself. He gives you anointing for your job. He gives you an anointing for your marriage. He gives you an anointing to raise your kids. Come on, somebody. He gives you an anointing to obtain wealth. He gives you an anointing. I get excited because I look at certain things that happen in the Bible. And I'm like, God, how did that happen? How in the world did you use them? How, did, how in the world did this guy outrun? How did Elijah outrun Ahab's chariot? Wearing a skirt and everything. Come on now. How do you do that? Look, Can I just tell you right now? Ahab was king. That means on his chariot, it wasn't a donkey. He probably had a stallion, you know what I'm saying? Like he had a horse, maybe stallions. It wasn't a donkey, it wasn't a mule. And he outran it. How did he do that? The anointing. Stop limiting the anointing and the marker in your life. But can can I tell you this too? Stop rejecting it. How many times have, has God anointed us for something, called us to something like, Lord, 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 not me. We, we do the Moses all the time. But God, I can't, I can't, I can't. I, 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 I can't. Or, we, or we talk ourselves down. Like, God, I know you didn't pick me. It's just by happenstance. What are you, are you joking? God picked you. God chose you. He's marked you. Stop questioning God. Stop rejecting the call. Well, yeah, Pastor, you don't understand what I did in my life. You don't understand the past. Friends, can I tell you, God knows it all. You know what the worst part is? God even knows what you think. It's scary. He doesn't just know what you did in the dark. He even knows what you think. He even saw when, you, when you're smiling at the guy, but inside your head you wanted to punch him in the face. He saw that. <laughs> and still he chose you? Like I, I look at some of the pastor, pastoral staff. God chose Daniel Rice? <laughs> yeah, how many times do we have to see someone get radically touched by God, change, raise up in the church, and continue to question what God wants to do in our life? Stop! God's called you. He's got his hand on you. He's anointed you. And he's given you his power. I, that, you, know what I, you know what I love? Do you know why I love our conferences and we bring the pastors all together? Because I look at that band of misfits. <laughs> and remembering a pastor, Daniel Bracken, when he first came to this church. That dude was weird. You think he's weird now? A pastor, Dotson, that dude was scary. He's still scary, but he was scary. (laughs) You look at these guys. How in the world did you do that? Stop denying and rejecting the call. God knows you, but God also knows what he can do in you and through you. You gotta realize he's opened the door. Just just step into it. He's got everything that you need. He's given you access to everything. He anoints your head with oil. But can I can I tell you? But can I tell you we we gotta be careful? Can I give you one more? Can we deal with one more misconception? And then I'm gonna close this message. It's probably the greatest misconception that we have with the anointing is that a dab will do you. Right? Well, pastor, I, that's, I spent five minutes in the presence of God today. I just, I had, I had my prayer time this morning. Friends, a dab will not do you. See, the anointing is a drenching. It's not, we, we've got it wrong today. Like, it, it's a lathering. It's, it, when, when Samuel anointed David, he didn't come up to David and be like, oh, you're king. Here we go. There you go. That's not what happened at all. First of all, can I tell you something about the early day priests, the priests in the Old Testament? You never ever, as a priest, you always carried the main thing you had with you wherever you went was anointing oil. Always. You walked around with the anointing. You walked around ready to pour it out. And can I tell you, they didn't carry around these little tiny bitty jars that we do in our cars when we go visit people to pray for them at the hospital. We're like, I anoint you. They carried around these vats of oil. Oh, yeah. And so can you imagine, see, because a lot, a lot of us, when we, we picture in our minds Samuel going to anoint David, right, and he's got this little vat. No, he had some servants. Let's go, guys. I need you to, I need you to carry the vats. We're going to go anoint a new king. The Bible gives us a picture of Samuel coming up, or Samuel coming up and anointing this ten-year-old. Like Doctor Morocco said the other day, David was probably ten years old. It's possible, and taking a vat of oil because the anointing wasn't a dab. The anointing was a what? A drenching, and would take that oil and carry. Can I tell you why? Can I tell? Ooh. Can we keep going? Can we keep going? Can we? I got I to gotta come down here with you guys. So far away up there. I feel like I'm all by myself. Do, do you know why? I believe one of the reasons why the anointing had to be carried, the anointing had to be carried in vats is because there's a weightiness to it. As they would carry that anointing. There's a weightiness to the anointing. Can I tell you right now, the anointing carries weight. Do you know how you can tell? It's it's so evident when you got the anointing on you. Because something shifts. There's a weightiness on you. I remember playing football when I was a kid, man. You got your helmet on. It changed everything. Got all this equipment on, you knew when it was on. And it's so funny because everybody would want to take off certain pads because there's just weight to everything and it's just cumbersome. Can I tell you right now, the anointing has weight. And it is evident on your life. And you carry it and can I tell you, it is contrary to your flesh because your flesh doesn't like to have to keep carrying the anointing. flesh is like man this is too heavy i don't like this and it's in bat- it's it's in this battle raging against the anointing because it wants my flesh wants to do what it wants to do the problem is the anointing is getting me to do other things and think other ways it changes me the anointing changes my perspective the anointing changes my desire Samuel takes that anointing and he pours it out on David. And it goes from his head all the way, drenches his body, drenches his skirt, drenches his toes. It goes all the way down. Why? Because the anointing was never meant to be a dab. It was meant to be a drenching. The Holy Spirit doesn't come upon you just so you can speak a language that nobody understands. The anointing doesn't come upon you so you can get your spiritual fix once a week. The anointing comes upon you to change you. Why? The anointing is a drenching. It is a changing completely. Friends, we got to get anointed. No more a little dab will do me. Oh, I spent five minutes this morning in prayer. Good, you ain't anointed. Stop it. I'm I'm tired of these Christians, these Super cool Christians that rely 100% on their ability to articulate and their coolness. Saying, well, you shouldn't challenge people to pray for an hour a day. Why? Unfortunate thing, people take longer showers than they do pray. If you take a longer shower than you do pray, we got problems. Why? Because your flesh stinketh. And it's going to... Ten minutes after you shower, it's going to stink. You see, the anointing changes us. You need to spend more time in prayer. Why? Because you need to get drenched. You need to get that anointing to wash over your head, over your heart. Mmm, somebody. Can, Can I tell you, I need to pray. Why? Because I'm married. I need the anointing. I'm married. I'm a dad. So I need that anointing to wash over my head. I need that anointing to wash over my heart. I need that anointing to get down in my belly. Wash over my belly. I need that anointing on my feet. Why? Because I need that anointing to lead my feet. Every time I step foot in some place, I want that, that place that I step to know that my feet have been anointed. Get drenched this week. Stop relying on a little bit. Dab of the Holy Ghost. Oh, they prayed for me. Get filled. Get drenched. Come on, someone say, get drenched this week. Look at your, look at your partner and say, I'm going to get drenched this week. I forgot I brought my phone down here. Sorry. Everybody say, he he prepares a table for me in the presence of my enemies. He anoints my head with oil. Man, I could, go on, I could go on for a long time on that, but i got to close. Who's, who's playing the piano for me? Whoever it is. Pastor Alex, help me out. Because I want to get you drenched tonight. Anybody want to get drenched tonight? You know, we need to create a Christian rap song instead of get crunk. Get drenched. Get drenched. I'm sorry. Can you take that off the video for me? Thank you. (laughs) He prepares a table for me in the presence of my enemy. He anoints my head with oil, but I love this. My cup overflows. My cup overflows. David refers to the cup. The cup is simply a metaphor. The understanding of the part of our, our life that holds everything together. It's a part of your life that holds everything together. It's, David understood that that cup symbolized his life and what comes out of his life comes from that, that cup. The Bible, the Bible puts it this way, out of the abundance of your heart, the mouth speaks. And David understood that whatever fills him is going to come, come out of him that whatever's in me is, is, what's, is how I'm going to respond to my enemies. Whatever's in me will determine how I interact with the anointing. But he says this, what's so amazing about the anointing and what God does in our life is it overflows out of the abundance of our life, out of the abundance of our heart. And I've I got to read this passage for you. I love this. 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Verse 20, it says this, But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also wood and clay, some for honor and some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the mass, pre- prepared for every good work. Friends, you are a vessel. And David understood that. That's why he says, my cup overflows. He says, my cup, that vessel, I want to be a vessel of honor. Friends, can I ask you a question? Are you a vessel of honor or a vessel of dishonor? We've got to make a decision. What is your life carrying? What is your life full of? Is it full of fear? Is it full of anger? Is it full of rage? Friends, I I get so concerned because we, we spend so much time apologizing for the stuff that we keep putting inside of us when it comes out of us. Oh, I'm sorry, pardon my French. Your French is not the problem, it's what you're putting in you. Friends, listen, you can't fill yourself up with lust and not expect lust to come out. Whatever you fill your vessel with is gonna come out. And it is a revelation. If there's lust, if there's anger, friends, it's coming from somewhere. What are you filling your vessel with? And the the revelation that David gets is I have the choice. I have the opportunity to fill myself at the table of the Lord. I get to fill myself with peace. I get to fill myself with love. I get to fill myself with joy. I get to fill myself with forgiveness. So it comes out. Pastor, I don't know why I'm so angry. Because you keep filling yourself with it. I don't know why I'm so offended. What are you watching? What are you listening to? Can I be honest with you? I had to, I had to completely cut off the news. Completely cut off the news. I had to completely cut off Facebook and Instagram. Do you know why? Because I was getting full of it. And it was coming out. I started getting angry about the, the weirdest little things. I even said, God, just kill him. <gasps> Where's that coming from? I'll tell you exactly what it came from. It came from the abundance of my heart. And it was a rude awakening for me. I said, Lord, I, I don't say stuff like that. You'll say what you fill yourself with. You'll do what you fill yourself with. You're a vessel. What do you feel? Are you a vessel of honor or dishonor? But can, I got some good news for you. You ready for this? Let's finish with this passage. Wow. You guys getting anything tonight? John 7, 38. Here we go. Here we go. I love it. John 7, 38. Here we go. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart, out of his vessel, <laughs> out of his cup, will flow rivers of living water. Will flow rivers Of living water but this is what he spoke concerning the spirit whom those believing in him would receive for the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified he's talking about the Holy Spirit but can I tell you what's so amazing which is out of him shall flow rivers of living water that word in the Hebrew is the word zao in the Greek it's the word zao now let me tell you why that's so profound because the Greek word zao means not to be lifeless to enjoy real life, to have true life and worth of the name. Active, blessed, endless in the kingdom of God. Do you know what it is? It actually means to have evidence of life. You know there's a problem if you can't tell a living person from a dead person. That's probably a problem. When he says, out of you shall flow rivers of living water, that we're living is evidence of life. Friends, you are the evidence. Of the life and the power of God out of you. He says, my cup, my cup overflows. David had a revelation that there's a life, there's a strength, there's a power that comes out of me that is the evidence of the living, awesome, powerful God. Friends, you are the evidence of a living, awesome, powerful, mighty, healing, saving, delivering God. That's who you are. Friends, what's coming out of you is what's coming out of you the evidence of deliverance. That's why the gifts of the spirit are so wonderful. I want, you know what I want more than anything, especially as we head into this extravagant series. And all of you are going to be commissioned to do random acts of kindness for people and invite them to church. It's that you're going to realize the power of being the evidence of the true reality of Jesus Christ. He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He anoints my head with oil. My cup, my life, that which comes out of me becomes the evidence of a true living awesome. You are the evidence. So can I stand on your feet? You are the evidence. God, I declare greater miracles. I declare right now power, evidence to flow. I hope the word encouraged you. Thank you so much for joining us here on the King Central podcast. God bless you. Walk in power and walk in the fullness of that which God has given you.